I was told I'm going to get a public apology before we get to Joe Dallaire real quick from the one and only Sean Levine, who is in for Ryan Horvath and Trista Crick, who maybe will be back tomorrow. We'll see how it goes because I suggested at 12 to 1, the San Francisco 49ers and Lamar Jackson, perfect pairing. Trey Lance, go back to the Ravens, right? Get a young quarterback that kind of fits a similar style, not on the level, but you can still mold him, give him a chance to grow maybe. And you get more picks if you're the Ravens. 49ers don't need picks. 49ers need a quarterback that's going to help them win now. Brock Purdy's your backup. Lamar could get hurt. You got a quality backup, but you know, I love Brock Purdy, but he's not Lamar Jackson by any stretch of the imagination. You're in a win-now mode if you're the 49ers. And Kyle Shanahan's offense, Lamar Jackson, it is gold. It is beautiful for NFL fans. And you, Sean Levine, you laughed at me. You scolded me. You told me I was wrong. But you've now thought about it, haven't you? Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I don't like it. I love Thank it. You. I mean, what an absolute perfect move that would be. Obviously, from San Francisco, it's an upgrade. Not that they're really looking for one. But from a Lamar perspective, you get to the NFC, which is obviously an easier path to get to the Super Bowl. That you're going to play as hard as you ever have because you're going to have a bunch of veterans around you where they're not going to buy into this injury thing and all that. I mean, dude, honestly, you play for a coach that you probably respect the same way that you do your current coach in Harbaugh. Dude, I think that I think you're onto something here. And yeah, let me be the first to tell you, I'm, it took a full commercial break, but I'm sorry. You're right. That would work out great. If only you could teach my wife how to say those words, everything would be fine. But we're not quite there yet. But in time, maybe we can make that work. She doesn't know. She literally doesn't know that that's an okay thing to do. If you're wrong, you can say I'm sorry, and Lamar in San Francisco will be great, and I'm sorry. It goes two ways. Thank you. I, I, and now I feel better about it. It doesn't feel so crazy. So we need to push to make this happen. Joe Dallaire of the Action Network joins us, where I will not have maybe as many crazy conspiracy theories. But, but it's not really a conspiracy theory, Lamar Jackson, the 49ers. Joe, I just think that makes sense. But that would be like an NBA-type wild trade, where on the other side of things, we just had that in the NBA right before the All-Star break at the trade deadline. Kevin Durant, obviously the big one going to the Suns. Kyrie Irving, same thing, going to Dallas. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday on the show in terms of the way the Western Conference standings look at this moment and then the way they'll look at the end of the regular season. How different do you think the top of the West will look when it's all said and done, giving all of the change? I honestly think the top of the West, like the very top, is going to stay exactly the same. The Denver Nuggets are still an absolute wagon. And I think they're honestly underpriced in the market right now. I think that they'll finish the season as the one seed. And then honestly, Memphis has a pretty good cushion on the two seed. So I think the question really becomes, is a Pacific team going to take over the Kings? And the Kings offense, I think, is perfect for the regular season. Guys aren't like teams aren't looking to scheme against you and try to do weird stuff on defense like that offense is legit. They're number two in adjusted offensive rating. I think the Kings could actually win the Pacific Division still. And they're about five to one um, as the Clippers try to figure out their rotations with Russell, with Russell Westbrook and the Suns probably try to figure out life with Kevin Durant. Uh, and how that kind of is going to blend. So I could see both of those teams resting their guys as long as they're not in the play-in and just saying, like, we don't care who we play. We just want to be healthy. Speaking of life, are the Warriors still alive or are they dead? Do they actually have a chance to win this thing again? So I actually think one of my favorite one of my favorite bets for the All-Star break was the Warriors to miss the playoffs. And it was around, like, plus 240. Part of why I like this is you get multiple outs because even if they're in the play-in, they could still lose in the play-in and you're going to win this bet. And I think that they're kind of getting to a point now where like they need to play. 
And, you know, like they're trying to do things that they haven't had to do all season. You know, they still don't have, they're not going to have Gary Payton Jr. for another couple weeks. Clay, they're saying, is going to play back to backs, but that Clay's not, you know, he's good still, but he's not Steph Curry, and they're still without Curry. So I think that they're really at like kind of like their last gasp right here. And it's really all going to come down to when exactly Steph Curry comes back. But even then, we still have a couple outs on that bet. So I was also laughed at, not just my 49ers take a minute ago, Joe, but yesterday and actually about a week ago on the show with Ryan and Trista as well, Lakers plus 180 to make the playoffs. Once they made all those trades, I see a totally different team now. Now, granted, oh, yeah. I don't think they're going to be better than the Suns and Mavs and all that. They got three-point shooters now. They're like eight guys deep at you know at least average three-point shooters, and they had nobody. Nobody could shoot on that team before except maybe Lonnie Walker was one that you'd go, ah, okay. Like They got rid of one of the most inefficient players in the NBA in not only Russell Westbrook, but also they got rid of – I mean, they, they cleared out essentially a roster that just didn't make any sense. It felt like they were just throwing darts at names on a wall and slapping that roster together. Now it feels like there was some thought – there's the potential for some chemistry, and there's also individual roles for players to fill that matter to this team, including the shooting. Where are you on the Lakers? I love them as a playoff team now. Dude, if they make it into the playoffs, they're going to be dangerous. Like, they're that team nobody wants to play mm-hmm. because you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And honestly, I, I also bet them at, like, a plus 200 number a couple weeks ago. So I was yes. like, they're going to make some trades. They're going to make some trades. <laughs> like, we knew they were going to make some trades. And honestly, I think you're spot on. This, in my opinion, the trades that they made were better than getting Kyrie Irving because they needed to fix so many holes in that roster. And they only traded one draft pick. So everybody thought they were going to have to just two. They still have one of those for this offseason. I think this team is significantly better. And, you know, if they're healthy, you just they're just not a team you want to run into in the West. Nick, you're getting vindicated everywhere now. The NFL, the NBA, Great night for me. Do you think that the Suns are a more improved team with Kevin Durant, or do you think the Mavs are a more improved team with Kyrie Irving? Um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. I think, I think that the Suns, obviously, you know, you get Kevin Durant, like Kevin Durant is probably the ultimate ceiling raiser, but my only concern with Phoenix is they kind of already had a bucket getter in Devin Booker and they don't take, they still don't take a lot of threes. And obviously they have guys that make twos at such an efficient clip, but they're subject to variance and their, their defense got significantly worse without bridges. And obviously, like, you, you really have to make that trade kind of, like, every time because you're getting Kevin Durant, who's, like, are, you could at any point in time, you could say he's the best player in the world. But, like, they are going to be missing pieces, and I think it's really, really hard to gel in basically 20 games before the playoffs. So I, I'm really curious to see what they do there. Um, as for Dallas, I think they just needed to take some of the load off of Luka. And getting Kyrie Irving there, at least it shows – like Luca, that the Mavericks are willing to put some guys around him and do some things, but we'll see if they're able to retain him. But I think the trade was good for them. They didn't really move too much to get Kyrie, but I still don't think of them as real title contenders in the West. Talking to Joe Dallaire, Action Network, uh, Clippers, the other team in LA. They didn't make as many moves, but they did get Russell Westbrook from the Lakers after he went through Utah. We know the whole story now. They're 10-1 to to win the title, 5-1 to to win the West. I mean, listen, when that team is healthy and you have Kawhi and Paul George playing as the Kawhi and Paul George that we remember, they're obviously a dangerous team. I'm not one of these people that thinks Russell Westbrook's going to make a huge difference for them. If anything, it, it may make them worse in terms of chemistry. Like, 
We saw what happened with the Lakers and Russell Westbrook trying to fit in. I know these are two different players in Kawhi and Paul George, but it just doesn't move the needle for me. I just think Russell Westbrook's past the Russell Westbrook that we certainly remember. And on top of that, he's incredibly inefficient. And I worry that he's going to have an ax to grind. It's going to play out of control at times. But look, all of that aside, big picture with the Clippers. We've talked about the improvement of the Mavs. We've talked about the improvement of the Suns. We know where the Nuggets and, and Grizzlies are pretty much staying pat for the most part, a few moves for the Nuggets that were littler moves. Uh, where are the Clippers in all this in the Western Conference? The, the Clippers are tough to, to tough to gauge because Kawhi is still yeah. that dude. And I actually think the trade that they made that was underrated in a way was getting Plumley because they really needed a little yeah. bit of center depth behind Zubach. And, you know, Zubach is going to be out tomorrow night. So we're kind of going to get to see, does, uh, does Mason Plumley really get to step up into that role? But I think that they're good. It's just going to be a matter of, like, can they put it together? The West is going to be really about who's playing who and what order you're playing these teams in. I think the standings are going to matter significantly. But I expect the Clippers to definitely be in, say, definitely in the top six seeds in the West. Um, So we'll just have to see, you know, who they're matched up against. Let's head out east where uh, right now Philadelphia is getting absolutely smoked by Memphis. They're down uh, 37-22, as they say getting smoked like a bong at a frat party are the 76ers. Is that team for real? Like, do we actually think that there's a chance that they could overtake the Celtics and Bucks and come out of the East? It's possible. I mean, you have Joel Embiid and you have James Harden. So, I mean, those are two of some of the, those are two of the best players, you know, in the NBA and they play very well off of each other, but it's they're they're kind of one of those teams where it's like I gotta I gotta see it. So there there's always going to be a little bit of doubters on them. I thought they were going to be off to a little bit better of a start to the season, but it's kind of, you know they're still great, but they're just like a step behind Boston and Milwaukee. The problem for them, I think, is going to be I don't really see them moving up to the one seed. So that means that their path to the finals is probably going to be through not only Milwaukee but also through Boston, and that's brutal. Because you're just going to be at a, you're just going to be in a war, and even if they are in say the three seed, what does that put you in a, ma- a first round matchup with the Knicks or the Miami Heat? That's that's tough because you're going to get that's going to be a dogfight. So I think that their seeding right now, unless they can really somehow climb the standings, is going to be a real detriment to them in the playoffs. I really like this Cavs team, Joe. I I, I don't think they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's a collision course with the Bucks and Celtics as long as both of them obviously stay healthy to the Eastern Conference Finals. What, what is the ceiling on this Cavs team for right now? And that's more of obviously from a betting perspective in terms of you know where they could end up the rest of the year, win total, those types of things. But even spinning it past that, I mean, what's the, the longer-term future of this team too? Because I, I think they have built a really, really good squad. This team's really good. They're really fun, honestly. Like I, as a Knicks fan, I'm really jealous that we don't have Donovan Mitchell. But um, <laughs> you and me team, both, I my friend. Good. You and me both. <laughs> you and it me both. Tough. It's tough. It gets tougher every day. So I think they're I good, though. But I think they're going to wind up settling into the four seed just based on the fact that they played a lot more games than uh, each of the Bucks, the Celtics, and the 76ers, and they're behind all of them in the loss column. So I think their lead on Brooklyn, New York, Miami is significant enough that they're probably going to coast a little bit to end the season because they're just going to be sitting at the four spot. Um, I do think that they're going to be good, especially moving forward as Mobley continues to develop. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, they can still keep building that rapport. This team's going to be good for a long time, I think, and they have a lot of young pieces and they have a lot of tradable assets too. So we'll have to see what they do to improve. But I think this team is going to be long for a couple of years at least. 
Boston right now the favorite to come out of the East at BetMGM plus 115. Milwaukee, no surprise, right on their heels at plus 185. Do you think one of those teams has an edge over the other? Because they just seem so even. Honestly, I think you have to say Boston right now, just based on the seating, uh, because you know, like your first, your probably your second round matchup is not going to be against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I do think, though, that one of the things that you can anticipate is that Milwaukee's going to get better because they're getting healthier. And I think, honestly, like the, the acquisition of Myers Leonard is interesting. Um, for political reasons, social reasons, but I think he's a decent basketball fit because he can kind of try to emulate Brooke Lopez on the defensive side. And they obviously added Jay Crowder. So I think that there might be a little bit more value on Milwaukee looking at a long-term picture. If you really think that Milwaukee can pass Boston in the standings, which I think is entirely possible because Milwaukee has a one seed and you have to run through the bucks in at home at Fiserv. That's that's going to be brutal for anybody going in there. So I, right now, I think based on the number, you probably have to take Milwaukee. But you know, if if they're unable to take over Boston, then they're probably. I think whoever's really the one seed is going to have the best path. All right, got about a minute, real quick. Uh, MVP Nikola Jokic minus two fifty to win Embiid's five to one. Giannis seven to one. Is Jokic just going to continue to pull away the rest of the season? I think that. Honestly, yeah, but at the same time, if I was making a bet, it wouldn't be on Embiid, it would be on Giannis when the Bontemps does his straw poll. And it was pretty apparently like even though it looked like Jokic was the favorite, the voters when they were spoken to afterwards said it was really a razor thin margin between him and and Giannis. But at the end of the day, they chose Jokic. So I think the bet right now is on Giannis. It's crazy, too, because there are so many guys having MVP-like seasons this year, and it's there's going to be like five or six, like Donovan Mitchell, and you go, Donovan Mitchell's playing like an MVP, and we know he's not going to win it this year. Joe DeLera, the Action Network, always love having you on, man. Thanks for coming on with us. Pleasure, guys. Good seeing you. Yeah, it's it's wild, man. I, Sean, the more and more you like – winning three straight is almost impossible. Nobody's done it since Larry Bird, and Nikola Jokic has a chance – to do that. And that's something Michael Jordan never even accomplished. LeBron James never even accomplished. It's really, man, it's a testament to what Jokic has been as a player, what he's able to do. Like big, the big man is back in the NBA. When we had Embiid and Jokic up against each other that Saturday, a few weeks ago, and they just went off. Like this is a big Embiid man. Embiid was unbelievable. And everybody's excited about night. this. But it's different. They look different. And that's what's so cool about it. It's an evolution like the new the new wave of big men that the NBA now has. We need big men in the NBA. They just need to look different. That's the key.